John Offsee's season is officially over and it ended the way most of the year has gone with a lifeless loss to CF Montreal in the Canadian Championship final. But oh boy, the changes, they are coming quick and we'll discuss them all on this week's edition of Waking the Red Weekly presented by Footy Talks. My name is Mitchell Tierney. Ali Curtis is out as Toronto PGM. Josie Altador looks to be following suit. Oh, and Canada beat Mexico in a World Cup qualifier. That was kind of a big deal. <laughs> on all of this from a man who has seen it all in the Toronto FC world, John Molinaro of TFC Republic. But let's not waste any more time setting the stage, guys, because there's so much playing out on it right now. Jeffrey Pinesker, Michael Singh, we've got quite the show ahead, don't we? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, when did... Uh... Where did Mitch go? When did Zach Efron get here? As our, yeah, yeah. What's with the letters jacket? You know, as our host. Prom? Yeah, I, you want to go to prom, Mitch? I wore Jeez. this to work the other day, and my boss said I look like someone who would stuff him in his locker in high school. So that's <laughs> we're, we're going with this week. <laughs> Mitch has the varsity jacket backwards yeah, hat on, yeah. buddy. I like yeah, it. I like seriously. the vibe we're going with. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, as you said, Mitch. Things are coming rapidly. It's it's honestly, in my opinion, just the tip of the iceberg in terms of the, the turnover that we're going to see here with Toronto FC. And it's just, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, it's about time, I guess. We'll get into yeah. that more. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's get the facts, I guess. Ali Curtis, obviously, as we said, is, is out as Toronto FC general manager. He just signed an extension with the club. They announced that on March 16th uh, of this past year that he agreed to a multi-year extension. So obviously this came as a bit of a surprise, but uh, he cited family reasons uh, in his statement stating that his family had moved back to the United States during the pandemic and also that he is looking forward to pursuing a new professional opportunity. Um, yeah, I guess just initial thoughts on this news because obviously this this sets the stage for everything to follow this offseason. We know that there's going to be a new person in charge making decisions. We know now that they're going to be given you know, basically as much time as possible. I mean, the season has just ended, so... Um, they're going to at least be given a, a decent runway here. Who that might be, I think we all have our suspicions. But w- without knowing, you know, at least we, at least that person coming in is going to have some some time here. Um, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll start there. And it, you know, a lot of people are, are jumping to the conclusion that Toronto FC let Ali Curtis go. It, for my opinion, and, and from what everything that I'm I'm seeing here and. And based on the terminology that's being used, it, it doesn't sound like that was necessarily the sole reason and the perhaps maybe the main reason. Um, the title of the press release was Toronto FC General Manager and, and Senior Vice President of Soccer Operations, Ali Curtis, departs the club to pursue new opportunity. Um, and that's kind of congruent with the Athletics initial report, which was that Ali Curtis was parting ways with with TFC to take that role within the league office in terms of you know uh, overseeing their new up and coming developmental league. Um, and I know that's always been kind of Ali Curtis's um, ambition. Let's say like he he always wanted to do more. Um, he wasn't just the guy that that put himself in a box. He, he's a very well experienced person. And, you know, I'm not convinced totally that this was the club uh, just completely deciding to move on from Ali Curtis. Um, I mean, it's a very carefully written press release that that allows everybody to keep uh, their hubris and ego intact. Um, you can't deny the legality uh, that, that's associated with the mutually 
part ways, especially when you take into account this contract extension, it, it, it allows for zero litigation on both parties, right? Um, you know, with, with a dismissal, uh, there is a different, that, that has a different, uh, uh, view under the eyes of the law than mutually parting ways. So there's a lot of careful language in that, in that press release, and it's designed to, uh, take blame away, but yet still say it's over. So, so, you know, in terms of, in terms of taking, uh, you know, a, he said, he said kind of out of that thing, it's, it's all conjecture. And I think it was written that way by design. So, you know, we can speculate as to, as to, as to what, what did anything, but, but I will say, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily fall on the same line of thinking as you do, Mike. I, 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 you know, he, if he had his eyes on the D3 league, and again, I don't have the, uh, the stats as to when that was advanced, then why even sign a contract extension? And, and the, the, you know, it's just that more, as more information of this comes out, the dates aren't matching up. Right. Um, you know, uh, I was talking about my future in September. That's a that's a paraphrase out of out of Ali's uh, quote machine. You know, well, in September the team was 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 sputtering to a very 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 long and prost uh, prostrated death. So so you know, <laughs> like of course you're thinking about your future, dude. So it just it just everything said it in an island, right? And and I'm gonna get to this when we have JMO on because you know it's upsetting. Uh, the last couple of days, I, you know, you asked me how I feel. I have whiplash and we all expected uh, big, big, big announcements to come through the chain. But, but, you know, I'm checking my watch here and uh, we are what less than 72 hours removed from, from capitulation to the, to the, uh, to CF Montreal in the can champ, you know, the, the calm measured approach to these less than 48, the common measured approach to these press releases, um, you know, suggest to me that there's been a long enough time for these to go through multiple drafts and have everybody from the person, you know, uh, from, from the from the top down rubber stamping this thing. So um, I'm not trusting anything I read. And that's, I think that's why I'm so frustrated because this club used to be a lot more transparent than this. And now we're just parsing everything, you know, we're getting so, so little. Oh. I guess before we, we we dive too far down that road, I mean we're we're gonna I'm gonna talk to, to Toronto FC tomorrow. There, that's yeah, when they're yeah. holding their their end of season media availabilities, and and we'll get more information as we chat with them because you can only put out so much in a press release, Jeff. Right, Mike. I'm I'm gonna ask you a question. Do you think you're gonna get any more information tomorrow, or do you think it's going to be the same talking points? No, I think we'll get more information tomorrow. Okay, okay. I hope yeah. so because I'm I'm looking forward to it. I mean, a lot of it comes down to what questions, obviously, we ask as the media. But I yeah, do. I mean, especially like Bill, like Bill's pretty transparent when he's he's addressing the media. Um, he's, you know, obviously very well versed in PR, but he uh, he's pretty honest. He's a pretty open guy. So, I mean, I, th I definitely think we'll get more information um, mm -hmm. and we'll see. We'll see what happens. So do I. I. I think we'll get more information, but whether it's deliberate or they just answered a question badly when i mean you're running request. you're running a business yeah. jeff you're running a sports organization yeah. of course, of course. It's gonna be deliberate right yeah 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 of course yeah i i think for me i mean look given the recent extension other than maybe jeff hinted at that this could be a possibility and that he thought especially with the potential of bob bradley coming in i uh, gotta give him credit there jeff did say that he, he thought maybe bob bradley would be coming in to to take ali curtis's job and both Mike and I swatted that away. So, I mean, that looks more and more like a potential reality now. But I think we all agreed that, you know, Ali Curtis, 
had shown enough that he should maybe be given an opportunity to fix that, that that wouldn't be the, or fix what happened this season, that that maybe wouldn't be the worst case scenario. But I think now unquestionably, and Jeff, you know, again, to, to your credit, this is something that you always talk about is the, the campsite um, analogy. Yeah. The campsite rule. Yeah. Always leave it. Yeah, go ahead. That's mm-hmm. your analogy. Oh no, no, no. Go ahead. It's <laughs> not my analogy, actually. Yeah. It's uh well, yeah. it's Dan Savage from Savage Love, but yeah. I'm sure he there stole it from somebody else. But yeah. uh the idea is you always leave, in his case, a relationship, but the campsite, you always leave it the person in a better shape than when you than when you arrive. Yeah. Um finish your thought, Mitch, because I'm not sure how you're gonna answer this one. Absolutely. Well, I don't think there's any question that this team is worse off now than it was when Ali Curtis took over. And the main thing that I come back to is what's the core of this team for the first time since 2014? That's a really difficult question to answer. And there's been no consistent thread throughout this season. I mean, you start Mm -hmm. the year, you've got the young guys coming well out of the gates. It looks like maybe the youth revolution started with Noble and Io and Ralph Prizo and Schaff and even Luke Singh having a great season, but then that fizzles out. Then the middle part, you've got Bradley and Oso stepping up, but you know, they start to lag a little bit. Then Soteldo comes in, but just doesn't have enough support around him. And, um yeah that, then you, you know you've got the the time when he sort of does get that support with Schaffelberg and Achara stepping up but there's been no consistent thread throughout the season where a group of players have come together and looked good together for any extended period of time and that's really concerning because you know the new the new GM who has to come in now doesn't just have to do you know minor surgery and and little repairs here and there they have to repair the heart of this team and that's absolutely difficult thing to do that's really Absol- well said Absolutely. And I mean, this is this is one of my questions to, to JMO. So so I'll probably save it. He's here, by the way. But, you know, one of the things that I that I read in in uh, in his sort of postmortem over at, at TFC Republic is this mm-hmm. worrying trend that without their DPs now, TFC seem lost in space. And and I think that that reflects on the core of the of, of the team issue. Right. Because there's been such a hole with respect to fielding our DPs together. There's been a trickle down through the very fiber of being of this club where now everybody's got a buck to pass right you know we we talk about all these calls for no excuses but it seems now that this team is built on a bedrock of excuses right we don't have this we don't have that we need this we need that this won't work unless we have this um that's not a winning culture that's a pass the buck culture right like if you're expect if you're expecting a bunch of variables to fall into place before you can even divine to to, to think about performing at your best something is rotten in the state of Denmark and, and I'm not, you know, uh, Molinaro is here. So, yeah. so I can get his opinion on that, but I, but I do, I, I think that's maybe where he's going with that line of uh, that line of thought, which is why are we worrying about the other half, right? We're all professional athletes. If we're worrying about what somebody else is doing, then we're no, we're no longer being held to a personal accountability. I, I, <laughs> I, I have an issue with that. Yeah. I'm a poet and I don't know it. Anyway, do we want to bring in, uh, do you want to bring in JMO now? Yeah, absolutely. Let's uh, let's get all right. Dr. Molinaro on. Yeah, uh, sorry, sorry, we didn't bring you on on a week where there's anything to talk about, John. (laughs) (laughs) But now, now joined by John Molinaro of TFC Republic, and uh, Jeff alluded to the the column, but I think that's a good place to start. Your your thoughts on Ali Curtis's departure, and um, you know what that means for this offseason, because obviously. You know, this is going to be a fascinating offseason. We all knew it was going to, but this really sets the stage for basically pretty complete overhaul for Toronto FC. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, thanks for having me on, guys. It's good to chat with you again. Um, you know, when I 
sort of examine the legacy of any coach or GM at any club, I always sort of, and maybe this is wrong of me and unfair of me, but I always boil it down to one kind of central question. Is the team in a better place now than when that sort of coach or GM first found it? Um, you ask that question in terms of looking at the, you know, legacies of Bill, sorry, of Tim Bezbachenko and Greg Vanny. I don't think there's any question that they left the team in a much better place than, than, than they inherited it. Um, you know, can we say the same thing of Ali Curtis? I don't think so. Um, and that's, that's not to sort of put it all on him because I think that that would be unfair. I think there are other issues here involved. And I think, you know, it has to be said, Bill Manning bears some responsibility in this. Um, but I don't think there's any question that, you know, the team really has sort of digressed since he, since Ali Curtis came aboard and, you know, he made a series of serious missteps and miscalculations from the hiring of Chris Armas to, you know, allowing him to sort of do this sort of tactical remake of the, of the team, which, uh, you know, was ill-conceived to begin with, then, you know, not giving him the support in terms of players to sort of play that style. Um, yeah. You know, when you look at players bringing being brought in, like uh, you know Dom Dwyer and Patrick Mullins, who you know this year I think they played 39 times together and they they scored zero goals. Um, to you know Omar Gonzalez, which you know at the time was a pretty big coup for the team, and I think you know they got a, a nice bump out of it towards the end of the 2019 season. But how how is that contract looking now? Or you know Erickson Gallardo, I mean. He's played 10 times in three years, and that, that's a major salary cap drain. Almost a million dollars over the course of his uh, TFC career. Yeah. So I want to be him when I grow up. No. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, I, and, and look, there's there were some positives too. And I don't want to sort of just, I don't want to sort of portray it as that this was, you know, a completely negative from Ali Curtis when you look at, you know, the 2019 run. It was pretty incredible considering, you know, that first month where he was in charge, he had to sort of, you know, he lost Seba, he lost Vasquez, then Vanderville was was gone. But, you know, responded by, you know, closing the deal to bring in Pozuelo, and then they went on that yep. great run. And then last year, the 2020 season, I mean, finishing second place during a year where, you know, they played, you know, the entire campaign away from home, um, that's pretty significant, too, achievement as well. So I think he can look back at his time with TFC with some pride. But I think overall, I mean, when, you know, history is going to judge his 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 sort of tenure in Toronto, I don't think it's going to look back on it favorably at all. Because when you look at where the team is now, you know, what have we been talking about for months on end? We've been talking about that this is going to be one of the most important sort of off seasons and critical off seasons in the history of the club. And that's and he had a large hand in, in sort of doing that. I mean, he's. You know, I wrote about this today. He's he's like the last guy out of, out of a burning building. I mean, he's you know he's, he's getting out at the right time. I mean, it's not him who has to sort of rectify this and clean it up. It's others. So, well, speaking of that, John, we actually have some breaking news. And Ooh. Toronto FC announcing that Javier Perez will not be returning as head oh, coach. Oh man! Wow. <laughs> Again, I guess to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Seriously. Well, I guess initial initial reaction there, John, on your end. Not surprised. Uh, no. You know, I think we all sort of understood that that was, uh, you know, coming. Uh, I like Javier personally. I think he's a really personable guy. Um, I think he could be a, a good MLS coach at another club. I mean, I could even see him, you know, I think the perfect fit at this team would have been for him to be in charge of like the youth academy or something like that. I mean, I just, you know, 
he's not the guy to lead the team forward. I mean, just you know, to put it bluntly, I mean, he's not sort of the the managerial profile that they need. Uh, I think this team is in, you know, has to be said, in need of a a culture change. Um, you know, when you talk about them just sort of feebly accepting losses, um, you know, and sort of you know coming up with excuses about, well, you know, we didn't have our DPs, and you know, this, this sort of culture of meek acceptance and sort of you know, not sort of, you know, falling in the face of any sort of the least bit of adversity that comes uh, that they face. I mean, it's, it, you know, it's, in, it lies in stark contrast to how the team used to sort of played when it was under Greg Vanny, where, you know, it was sure the DPs were important, but, you know, the team prided itself on its depth players and, you know, they could kind of come back from difficult situations. Now you get the sense that, you know, the slightest stiff wind will blow this team over and they can't possibly get back up. So, um, yeah, not surprised about Javier Perez. I mean, I wish him well. I mean, I think he is a, like a generally good person. Alan Curtis too. I think he's a generally good person, but, uh, I think the team had to move on from both of them. Yeah. And, and speaking of moving on, I mean, the, the rumors are out there, John, and about his replacement. And it seems every day, the more and more likely this is going to transpire, obviously nothing official yet, but heavy rumors that Bob Bradley is in line to become the next Toronto FC head coach. Um, what do you make of those rumors? And do you think he is the, the right guy to kind of set the culture right here at Toronto FC? Um, not surprised that they're being sort of linked with him just because I think he's exactly the sort of manager profile that they want. Someone who has MLS experience, who has, you know, a bit of a personality and can, you know, I, he, he's very much a Bradley in that he doesn't suffer fools gladly. Mm-hmm. Uh, like <laughs> the sun. And I think, you know, TFC could certainly use a bit of that going on right now just considering the state of the franchise so yeah i mean i think it's 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 a bit of an obvious selection but you know i don't think there's any reason to overthink this and sort of go for some obscure you know managerial candidate who has doesn't have any any mls experience and has to learn up here <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i think uh, you know i think you want sort of like a steady hand and, and someone who has been there and done it before and I think by all rights, you know, Bob Bradley fits that category. So it's, it's while, you know, not as, not especially surprising me, but, you know, I could see it actually absolutely working out. As Matt says, sometimes the obvious answer is the correct one. Uh, Make your predictions, uh, John. Do you think Bob is coming as gaffer or he's coming as GM? (laughs) <laughs> well, that, 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 that's actually an interesting one i mean you know that it's kind of I was having a conversation with us about a friend um you know last night about you know could it be you know him coming in as a gm as a coach or as a combination of the two yeah. um, i think whatever if he comes in as a coach which is my sort of inclination as to what will happen i think it will be very much different from you know chris armis and javier perez in the sense that he will be given some say in terms of the direction of this club. And Without question. Yeah. Or not. You don't sort of bring in Bob Bradley and Bob Bradley would not take a job like, like this unless he was given a little bit more power just in terms of, you know, limiting him to, to, you know, the 11 guys are on the field. I mean, he wants some sort of say and, you know, quite right. I mean, I think that's just only makes sense. So uh, whatever position he does in, I think he's going to have a, you know, a pretty big hand in, uh, you know, determining the future of this club. So here's here's my issue with this because it's already happening with the with the alley postmortem. You know, we have to account for COVID fatigue, and I don't think we're doing that in our distillations. I applaud you because you're you're trying to make an allowance for that. 
um, you know, we at least 50% of this mess is on it is it has to be accountable to the chaos that that, you know, I think you said it the last time you were on our show when the story is written of of the last two seasons, we're going to be beside ourselves. Like, how did this happen? How did how did the MLS like we, we didn't have a chance to be competitive last year? It was a miracle. You know, but this year we were absolutely exhausted. So I, I do think there has to be some margin when we when we write the story of Ali's time at TFC and we talk about the hiring of Chris Armors and we talk about the signings and we talk about this and we talk about that. Even when we talk about my favorite misfire, which is the 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 Yeffy signing, we have to allow for for this pandemic. Um, and I think it's important to 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 always restate that. Um do you think that that level is as high as I'm attesting? Do you think it's 50-50 or do you think that we, we, we're, we're being too fair to, to the pandemic and, and Ali's got to own a bit more of it? No, I think you're, you're being a bit too unfair. Um, what I would say yeah. is... Yeah, I mean, look, everyone's sort of de- dealing with this sort of COVID-related world that we live in right now and it's exactly you know, difficulties all around. So... You know, I don't think it's unfair to suggest that that sort of played a part in it. Absolutely. I think it would be difficult for any team in any situation to sort of deal with what's going on in the world, especially a Canadian side with the travel restrictions and, you know, the Nick DeLeons of the world complicating matters even further than... Absolutely. I mean, that was just... I won't even get into that. So, for sure, I don't think there's any doubt that that played a part. But, you know, at the end of the day, you have to get on with it. And when you look at teams like Montreal and Vancouver. I mean, they were facing very similar situations. Vancouver, you know, got in the playoffs. I mean, Montreal almost got there. Um, so, you know, I think it's it's a convenient excuse, but it shouldn't be one that, you know, I don't think they can hang their head on, the hat on that, so to speak. I don't think it's that's sort of like the determining factor. Did it play a role? Sure. But, I mean... You know, at the end of the day, you got to have overcome that. I mean, you just have to, you can't sort of use that as, an, as another excuse for failure. John, I'm sure you've got a busy day ahead. So just a couple more for you here, but you alluded cool. to this a little bit. And this is something we were talking about off the top. It really felt like the club kind of lost an identity a little bit this season. Um, what for you are kind of the biggest keys to to getting that back in, in 2022? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. I mean, I, I think they really sort of have to go back to that sort of, mentality that they had under Greg Vanny where, you know, they where they went onto the pitch just knowing that they were going to win, regardless of the situation, regardless of the opponent, regardless of, you know, the situation. Um, yep. They've lost their way in terms of that. I mean, now it's it's very much, uh, well, you know, you know, we're playing away from home from a long period of time, or, you know, we didn't have all three of our designated players in the lineup. Somehow they kind of got away from that. Or yep. From, from and th- there's this culture of you know woe is me you know we're so hard done by. Um, they have to sort of return to you know how it was under under Vanny where it was just you know they grit their teeth and they found a way. I mean they they really found a way and it wasn't yep. just the designated players it was you know the depth players as well. I mean they, everyone sort of contributed and there was just this sense of. You know what it kind of reminds me of? Kind of, you know how when you'll hear like the current Canadian national team players talk and they'll talk about it being like a band of brothers and whatnot? Mm-hmm. Yep. That, that sort of spirit is what TFC has to regain because now it's just like they're, you know, all walking around in the days, each each individual doing their own thing without yep. any cohesion or unity. That's what they have to get back to, that sort of spirit of togetherness and band of brotherness. And 
you know, make no mistake, they have to make some critical changes to the to the roster too. I mean, you know, that defense is a mess. They have to, my, in my opinion, they have to get at least two center backs, and I would argue yep. three. Um, they need sort of more firepower up front, and I think they have to, you know, solidify things in the midfield a little bit. But um, so everything. <laughs> no, no, I, you know, I think I think the defense is like the major issue, right? You yeah, know, yeah, it, yeah. It has to be overhauled, especially in the center. But I think getting back to sort of that winning mentality and sort of restoring the culture to the way it was, um, that can't be dismissed. I think that has to be a high priority for this for this team. Yeah, I think it's going to be that's... super hard. It's going to be twice as hard yeah. because before they didn't have a metric, they didn't have a high watermark to measure it against, and now they do. And when you're, you're they're like chasing the dragon, right? You know. 2017 was was just pure anger just we're going to make up for 2016 but now they know where they have to be and so they're going to judge it against that and you it's so much easier to get in your own head that way you know and i and and it's unfortunate but uh it's a it's a monumental challenge yeah i was gonna say i think that's that's really well said and um i guess kind of segueing onto that is as you mentioned there you know they need more firepower up front and one of those pieces now that's rumored to, to be leaving Toronto FC, that's, that's Josie Altador, and they'll have an opportunity now potentially to address that need in a big way, um, most likely with another designated player. Do you think that's where TFC need to go with, with their designated player? Is that a number nine that, that's coming next if Josie Altador does depart the club? I think so. I think when you look at sort of their, their goal-scoring situation this year, I mean, who was the top scorer? It was, I think, Osorio and Altador each had, sorry, Osorio and Altador each had four goals, I mm-hmm. think, if I'm being mm-hmm. correct. Um, it sounds right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they need, they, I think they desperately need a front man, like a, a classic number nine, someone who can play, you know, in multiple positions and lead that line. They haven't had that for, you know, the last two or three seasons now. God bless Josie. I think he's a club mm-hmm. icon when, you know, they erect the statues outside of BMO Field one day. You know, his is a first among the to be erected. But, um, you know, he hasn't been money for value the last two seasons. He's really sort of been been hurt by injury issues. And, you know, they need someone who can score on a consistent basis. And, you know, my thinking is that instead of going out and getting sort of like a, um, you know, an international experience-based player is you find someone either within MLS or, or abroad, but a little bit younger who you know, has his, has his best years ahead of him, who can really sort of come in with a lot of pace and a lot of speed up front and really sort of run at defenders one-on-one and challenge them and then balance them and put them on the back foot. For me, I think that's what the team really desperately needs is just an idam- a dynamic attacking force up front. So I suspect that's going to be, you know, shop, top of their shopping list should uh, Josie, uh, you know, leave, which by all accounts, it seems like that's the case. I wholeheartedly agree. I think besides Jacob Schaffelberg, yeah. I don't think there's anyone else on the team that can kind of run through lines and, and you know, get behind defenders, right? I, I think that's their biggest need right now overall as a team, regardless of position. It's people who can get around the pitch and, and put pressure on defenses, and I don't think they had enough of that this season. So I'm with you there, John. Yeah, and how great was Schaffelberg? I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of a shame that it took until the second half of the season for him to get his chance. But, I mean, that is one of the positives, I think, is that I think mm-hmm. they sort of uh, – they find to find out what a gem of a player he is. And, you know, I think he could, he has the potential to be a really, you know, influential player for this team going forward. I mean, I, you know, I would argue he was probably TFC's best player over the, over the course of the season. And, you know, that's encouraging. I mean, a young Canadian star like that, 
you know, when given the chance and, you know, he stepped up the plate in a big way in very trying and difficult circumstances. I mean, it could not have been easy for him to try to make a, you know, a claim for playing time with what was going on, you know, around the, <laughs> ball at the time. So, I mean, good for him. And as I said, I think that's, you know, when we're looking for silver linings for this season for TFC, I think that's one of the ones is that, you know, Schaffelberg has emerged as, you know, as, as a star in this league who could really help turn you know things around for TFC. He had to Speaking prove it to two school. coaches. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, I was <laughs> say, like, no, no, no worries. To Chris Armas, and then he proved it to Javier Perez. So let's go ahead, Jeff. Well, it just I see an opportunity for a segue, and I get really excited. So you said, <laughs> uh, you said, uh, um, oh, now I can't even remember what I was going to segue off. Thanks, Mike. But anyway, um, what was I going to say? Oh, oh, looking for silver linings. Everybody's saying that the the, the, the socials are are chock a block with people. Uh, making the losers lament that you know maybe not qualifying for for Conca Champions League and and flaming out at the at the Cancamp final was a good thing for TFC. I don't I can't I, I mean I don't think that binary good or, or, or I don't think that myopically I think that it's going to have a knock on effect because a lot more heads are going to roll because of the of the the zeitgeist that's in the club now right there was nothing positive to hang on to so. Uh, and then by 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 virtue of having a longer runway towards the next season, I think players that maybe had a bluffer's chance of staying on the squad are now out and out. Would you agree with that statement that that this sort of instigated a, an, a fire sale as opposed to a, a more uh, a judicious clean out? I don't know. I mean, I, I you know, had they had they won the Canadian championship and qualified for the Champions League, I'm not sure that this massive sort of um, you know, overhaul the roster that I think we're going to see wouldn't have taken place anyway. Okay. To be honest, I think I don't think you know winning the Canadian Championship and qualifying for Champions League is as you know as much as as a positive spin and silver lining that would have been. I think changes would have been taken place anyway. Do you know what I mean? I just I just yeah, I do I do I I just question the timeline right? Like because you know the Champions League would have started that much earlier in the off season. So maybe a lot of those deals wouldn't have been able to get over the line. Whereas now there's all the time in the world to, you know, to, to play, to play four dimensional chest or whatever, or whatever it would be. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe there's some validity in that, but again, I, I just, I just still think that regardless of what happened, that, you know, change is, was going to be sort of the major theme and narrative of this off season. So I don't think it would have sort of altered things you know, terribly much, if at all, to be perfectly. I got honest. one more. I got one more for you. <laughs> Who do you think TFC leaves unprotected? Or you know what? Considering that they're probably going to leave everybody unprotected, who do they protect? Who would you protect in the in the expansion? Well, draft? I mean, I do think there's some core guys there that you know I you know that are worth protecting. Obviously, um, you know, people don't sort of mention him very often, but I'm a big Aro Junior fan. I think he's oh, yeah. you know someone who has been you know of great service to this to this club when used correctly. Uh, you know, unlike Chris Armistead. <laughs> um, Forget you know, about that. I, I, I think he's someone who has been, you know, a consistent sort of player since he's come here. Much He reminds me very much of Justin Morrow in the sense of his consistency and just sure. you know, the way he's contributed. So I think you protect him. I think you protect a goalkeeper like Quentin Westberg. Um, you know, uh, I'm trying to go through the roster. Uh, Richie Larea, obviously, you know, Jacob Schaffelberg. I think a lot of the youngsters, I mean, I think there's some good young talent there. I mean, Noble Okello seemed to really come into his own towards the end of the season there. Sure. I think, you know, Ralph Prizo, before he went down injured, showed a lot of promise. 
you know, we keep hearing about Jaquiel Marshall Ruddy being, you know, the great prospect that he is. Well, let's see that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, let's give him a chance to see what he can do. Um, but I don't think there's any question. There's a lot of guys here that have not sort of provided money for value that are not worth protecting, whether that's, again, Dom Dwyer, uh, Patrick Mullins, Subasa Endo. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talent there to be, to be left unprotected. I mean, you know, if, if, I, if I'm TFC, I mean, I, I leave Erickson Gallardo unprotected. And <laughs> I, draw, I drive him to the league office and I, and, yeah. I, and I dress him up. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I mean listen, uh, one of our big salary cap space that they would save if they were. To get our, our, our staff photographer is saying protect Oso and I'm of the mind. Why not leave him unprotected? Like what, what MLS expansion team is going to play Oso um, uh, the better part of a million dollars and, and have to give up an international spot. Yeah, wait, oh, what? What? Yeah, what? <laughs> I think you'd be no, I'm just saying you can do shenanigans like that, right? Like if you leave, if you leave our youth, like the reason that our youth is, are so good for TFC is because of their roster hit, but any other MLS team, you're giving up an international spot and their roster hit is going to be a bit larger. So you can't That's some slander on, on Jonathan Osorio right there. Well, I'm, I'm just saying, do you think Charlotte is going to buy Oso for 900K and an international spot? Yeah. I do. I do. I, 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 I got, I, honestly, I think if, if, if they leave him unprotected, which I don't think they will, but if they do, he's gone. Snap him up. I mean, I, okay. think, he's, I think he's among <laughs> the best midfielders. Like, I. I don't want him to go. I'm just saying that those kind of shenanigans are unique to TFC no, I, as opposed to yeah. No, I, I appreciate what you're saying, but I yeah. just I, I don't think Charlotte would balk at a the price okay. or, or having to use up an international slot on a player of the caliber of Jonathan Osorio. I really don't. Now, our homegrowns, do you think they're attractive? Do you think if we leave Jaquiel Marshall ready? I don't think uh, you have to protect homegrowns, by the way. I think they're exempt from mm-hmm. from expansion status. So yeah, I think that's because, a new point. Yeah, yeah, I do think it's a new point, actually. Okay. All right. Well, I think we'll, we'll let Sean go there on that. <laughs> so much to talk about. We could talk about. So much to talk about, John. Absolutely, yeah. John, I'm sure this uh, changes by the minute right now, but what can we expect uh, coming up on TFC Republic over the next little bit? Oh, I'm going to be in full sort of postseason mortem mode. I mean, between mm-hmm. now and, you know, probably until the Christmas break, so... Uh, there's just going to be a lot of postseason analysis and looking ahead to what's going on, what's happened, and then looking ahead. So really diagnosing the season and also, um, you know, diagnosing what has to be done. So, uh, yeah, there'll be a lot of sort of in-depth analysis, uh, you know, over the coming weeks. Give us a sneak preview. Do you think it can all be done in one off season, or do you think this is a multi-year rebuild? That's an interesting question, Jeffrey. I, I think this is going to be an ongoing process. I don't think it can be all done in one window. I think people sort of expecting, you know, a massive purge and a massive turnaround in a short period of time are going to be, you know, disappointed. There's some yeah. work to do here. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's it's easy to say, ah, get rid of, you know, player X, Y, and Z, but you know, there are contractual obligations here. It's not, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not just a matter of letting guys go. I mean, you, you mm-hmm. know, there are certain sort of and salary cap sort of realities as well. So this is going to take some time. So I think people are just are going to have to sort of reserve themselves to the fact that, you know, things aren't going to sort of magically turn around and they're going to be, you know, I'm an MLS cup contender next year. This is going to, you know, patience is required, unfortunately. Yep. Great. Yep. Yeah, well, well thank said. you for having patience with us today and sitting <laughs> around during, uh, you know, what's obviously a, a yep. busy, busy yep. time. So And agreeing but, on short notice to join the show as well, John. We really too. appreciate that. Yeah, I'll, yeah, always good to chat with you, John. And, uh, I'm sure we'll do it again soon. Have a no good worries. one, man.
No worries, okay. man. Thanks for having me on. Cheers, Cheers buddy. All right. My favorite comment, I think, of today is Jeff Mark Bergevin Nesker. <laughs> Jonathan Osorio unprotected because they're not That's bullshit. That is way too Well, I'm just, I'm just saying. It's just saying bitches in his face. There's another one have, of those memes. We have the opportunity to to do that kind. Like, we, we've been at the... at the. I hear you. Just Jonathan Osorio is a terrible example. I, I also well, said, well I, I mean, do you... Yeah, I, he's a he's a shit example. I agree, but but it's still nine hundred thousand dollars, right? Like that's that's a tan but level. I contract, think. Right? Oh yeah, and like I like I think everyone agreed. Like Jonathan Zero is one of the best midfielders I think in Major League Soccer. He's arguably a starter for the Canadian Men's National Team, which is I know we we know how good they are right now, and he's what twenty eight, twenty nine years old. Like mm-hmm. this. Yeah, I mean, he'd be an excellent leader to have at Charlotte, even if they want to throw him in that light, but I still think yeah, he's a capable sure. player. But anyways, um, I guess to, to your point there, Jeff, is TFC don't need to do that. They don't need to play those types of games because they have enough yeah, players they can leave exposed. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Like there's a long list of people that I that I would <laughs> that I would put on that list before 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 dangling the carrot that is over yeah, to try and do. The good teams have to yeah. do like strategies yeah, yeah. like that. TFC have enough players that they can leave unprotected that's a very 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 fair point yeah and i'm not sure i'm not sure charlotte's looking at tfc as uh one of the the more appealing pieces right now teams to really pry players from as well very Um, very very fair we'll see though we'll see i don't think expansion draft is very it's a very pressing issue for tfc don't they have to tender their list at the at end of day today? I remember reading. No, that. yeah, yeah, but I'm I'm just mean like I'm not sure they're worried about it, and I don't think we okay. should be either. We lose a player; it's not going to be anyone substantial. Who's okay. making that list? <laughs> yeah, seriously, that's a great question. <laughs> Guys, me. They asked me to do it. That's why I've been talking <laughs> yeah, about that's it. That's a good so good segue though, Mitch. Like circling back to what we were initially talking about. Obviously, we we're talking mm-hmm. about Ali Curtis and his sort of tenure here. Um, his his biggest downfall, I think, and I think we can all agree, was the Chris Armas hiring, and it was the fact that you know TFC brought on a new coach to kind of create this different identity for Toronto FC, but the players needed there and the players that they had were not the players that could fulfill Chris Armas's needs. And at the end of the day, that's that's Ali Curtis's biggest job there is setting his coach up to succeed, and and he didn't do that, and I think that's what's going to kind of overshine like. His his I legacy just, here in Toronto, which I, I mean, during a I, pandemic, I, I, yeah, on, exactly. It need it needs that asterisk. You got there. It needs that asterisk because when you when you say it that way, it's like what an idiot, right? Like what was he thinking? But without that, that's that's not giving the context, right? Like I've always said, and I maintain this, that Armis was the last guy in the Rolodex, or or the devil that you know, right? But and with- then and then when. But then, but then people say, well, he didn't recruit well enough for Armas. Well, just getting Armas was was difficult. And then you want to you want to you want to hire a whole new roster. Like it's not necessarily being fair to the realities of the situation. But with that being so, said, though, mm-hmm. if Toronto FC start the season with Javier Perez as their head coach, I I don't know if they make the playoffs. But do you not think they okay. do significantly better than they would do under? But where Chris? but where I is do. he coming from? But Javi was hired with Armas, right? So once again, context. sure. But like I'm like, saying that they're they're gonna unquestionably yeah. people like that out there that they could have hired that would much better fit a Greg different Manning play style and have more continuity than Ali Curtis. Like the biggest. I or, sorry, not Ali I Curtis, think the three of us would have had sorry. visible smoke coming out of our nostrils if they had plucked some youth United States coach out of the ether and just said here here's your new coach in a way that i that i think even armis like we would have been 
up in arms in a, in a way that even we weren't with Armas, right? I mean, we were uh, pretty hi- up in arms about Armas. And then we got all excited because of yeah, the high press. Because we heard Brad, uh, Michael Bradley playing higher yeah. up the field. So, <laughs> Michael Bradley's going to say 20 goals yeah. this season. I really want to watch that. Watch those episodes back. Oh, like, man, when I cut our new things. intro, I'm going to put I'm gonna put clips together of us just being horribly wrong about everything. Just like, <laughs> yep, yep. And then, and so then ones of us being so right about everything, too. But, yeah, um, just, just wrapping up that thought there on Chris Armas is obviously he brought in, and then he put his hand up saying, I got that, that deal wrong but realistically mm-hmm. from that point on tfc had lost their 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 mojo their they, yeah, they lost their course. touch they lost their their swagger their confidence it wasn't tfc anymore and you know you, you bring back javier perez they have a bring in javier perez they have a great stint under him and then again yeah, it was an okay stint if you look at the at the numbers and, and well the five games yeah. unbeaten right yeah when sure, they sure. it was and they they destroyed the new england revolution so i mean it was a a great run under perez and then you had obviously that lapse again in the in the towards the end of the season but i think it's what i'm trying to say is i'm circling back to what mitch said is that this team lost its identity it had it was at one point it was a high pressing team but then it tried to revert back to its old ways of being a possession-based team and with a methodical build-up and then by the end of the season it was just trotting out whoever whenever to try and get sort of the Yep. trying to get through the, the the game really at that point and by the end of it against montreal i mean that was sort of the sum up of, of this season i think we're, we'll get to that that cf montreal toronto fc game but that yeah, kind of yeah. really encapsulated what the season was it was there's no designated players really available obviously Pozuelo went down within 15 minutes and then you had javier or, uh yeah jefferson soteldo come on for like the final 20 minutes josie altador mm-hmm. missed the match with flu-like symptoms whatever you want to call it mm-hmm and then TFC I getting played bullshit, off the but... park. <laughs> TFC uh, getting played off the park by Montreal. So yeah, that, that's before, where we're before, at right now. Before we go there, here here's a comment that that I want to use to. So you know, Matt saying Curtis told us his phone was ringing off the hook with coaches interested in the job, and we ended up with Chris Armas. I mean, what's he gonna say, man? Like he gonna is he gonna come out in a press conference and say? You know, no one was returning my calls. Of course, of course, that's what he's going to say. But, so, is that what that you think? Publicly. You don't think you don't think there's a lot of people interested in the job? No, I don't. I think I think that following following 2020, I think that it that it advanced to the level of we're not going to be able to do a lot with roster moves because pandemic. Also, you're going to be in a hotel because pandemic. We probably can't move you and your family into Canada for a while because pandemic. And it was a quick hang up. You know what I mean? So. So the, the, this revisionist history where Ali wasn't what, you know, I don't do, necessarily do I, think the move, do I think the move needed to be made? Absolutely. Nature abhors a vacuum. It was, it was a mess. Heads have to roll. Life isn't fair, but to then recontextualize with hindsight being 2020 and remove the pandemic out of the equation and just say that this guy was like a, was like a, a, a pinball just bouncing around, you know, making horrible decisions. Doesn't, doesn't vibe with me. It doesn't, it doesn't. Um, he wasn't bragging. He like he's. He, it's not bragging if you're trying to oversell your position in a public context, right? I I I don't. Sure, there's an amount of chest pump of puffing, but that's par for the course. Who doesn't do it? We're, I'm not hanging this guy by his toenails because he he didn't disclose just how difficult it actually was. If you read if you read between the lines and you look carefully at at the way that that things have been information has been doled out carefully sometimes accidentally not nothing was going well like we were we were we were a snowball 
you know, on like on its way, to, you know, we were an elevator crashing to zero. Um, and a lot of that, a lot of that is pandemic based. And I think to ignore that does an enormous disservice to. to so to with everything that you know now, Jeff, mm-hmm. in your opinion, Chris Armis was the best available option at the time is what you're saying, essentially. Yes. Interesting. Unless unless they wanted to spend another four weeks, you know, uh, 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 digging, digging under rocks, looking, looking for somebody better. I think that they were exhausted. I think they needed to get on with things. And it's the devil, you know. Right. But so you don't think at any point Ali Curtis felt like this was the guy. This was really just our last resort. I think that Ali Curtis listen, we can all convince ourselves that a bad decision's a great one if you know that's the power of the human mind. And I think when you when you factor in the exhaustion over the course search, it's very easy to go to sleep at night and go, God, I hope this works. We're friends and look only at the positive, right? Um I just that's, I, that's I, contradicting I, a lot of reports out there that state that Alec Curtis really put on his, his neck on the line for, for Chris Armis. Well, I think he put his neck on the line because at the end of the day, you got to get on with things. And I think there might have been some dissension in the front office. Like, are you sure this is the guy? Are you sure this is the guy? And eventually you got to put your foot down and say, look, this is the guy because I'm unwilling to to engage this and indulge this until the end of time until we find the ideal guy. Right. Like, you know. And I think again, the truth kind of falls somewhere in the middle, right? I think, it, it does. I think that it's not, it's not on the one end where it's like, this is our last resort. This is the guy. Absolutely, And, and but, I, but, I think but, to Matt's point is that there are, were probably other options as well um, that probably, in my opinion, in hindsight, probably would have been better options, but it probably sure. falls somewhere in the middle of both of those where they didn't have as Absolutely. many people as probably they would have had in a normal year. But I still think they had more options than, than probably what existed. And sure. obviously, again, hindsight sure. 2020. And, and again, you know, and I think again, that'll be I, his big, biggest downfall. I've said it. I'll say it again. All things being equal, I'm in Ali's shoes for the Josie re-up in 2019. I do it 100% of the time. Also, I'm in his shoes. And I've got, you know, I've got a, a long list of, of coulda, shoulda, woulda, and a guy that I have a personal relationship. I'm going to vouch for the guy that I have a personal relationship with. And I and I I wonder how how many people that are saying you know Armis is terrible blah 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 wouldn't have done the exact same thing in the exact same situation. I just I just think we need to be much more careful in how we contextualize his time here, um, and and uh, you know what what blame we assign to 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 Ali on 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 his watch and what blame we assign to the Pando and what blame we we assign to just exhaustion. I mean, listen, you know, yeah, let's not when, play the blame it, game. That's, yeah, that's as yeah. you mentioned, like that's a, such a dark rabbit hole to go down because we it we is. don't know um, what goes on behind the scenes. But Mitch, what are you thinking down there? You've been quite a silent there. You're just kind of nodding your head. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> I don't know. I, th- I think we move on here. I think we've, sure. we've said all we need. If to I can say that. one last yep, thing but... about Ali, and it's just I tweeted this out, and it's just purely a, a fact. It's that there's no more black general managers left in, yeah, in Major right. League Soccer, mm-hmm. which. It's just another shitty thing. Like, yeah, it's just another disappointing thing. And, you know, I'm not saying, as a lot of people jumped in my mentions for whatever reason, saying it's that Ali Curtis yeah, yeah. should have saved his job because of the color of his skin or anything like that. I'm just saying a, stating a fact that I believe needs to be said. It's just that there's an under-representation of people of color across Major League Soccer, especially in decision-making capacities 
Um, mm-hmm. And it's a systemic issue. It's like, yes, you know, I, I saw someone reply to my the comment says, well, you know, like the most qualified person should get the job regardless of the color of their skin. And yeah, you know, in an ideal world, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We, we would love qualified, for that to yeah. be the case. But how do but those people isn't. become qualified? Yep, yep, exactly. Who gets exactly. the advantage there to earn those qualifications? Right? It's, I don't think it's, it's people of color. And that's kind of what I'm alluding to there. There's a yep. systemic issue that dates back generations. And if we keep going to the most qualified person, which, you know, in my opinion, isn't always the case anyways. Nope. Um, then then we're going to keep running in the, in this this circle so i think it's it's just i'm torn because on the one hand i absolutely see why ali curtis has has run his course here at toronto fc although i'm still you know i still need to hear whether or not he was let go or whether or not he decided to leave tfc i still want to hear kind of how that does goes it, does it matter um, to you like like in, i mean obviously it matters to you but but why does it why does it matter to you and what what just what knowing matters? the why like, like getting more illumination on whether or not it was, you know, Ali was, was shown out or, or whether he, he came to, to the front office. I, I think said, it does matter because it shines a light on like the internal decisions. Like whether like, were they looking to, to clean house in the way that they have over the past couple of days? Or was this something that happened because Ali decided that, you know, he would, was wanting to pursue another opportunity. I think it does at least shine some light on that in terms of the, the internal operations and, and how the, how this awesome okay, let let me let me rephrase that. Does 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 Ali come out smelling like roses if either of those things are true? Right? Like if he if he was canned, doesn't come out smelling like roses. If it was his decision to leave a club in crisis for some opportunity elsewhere, that's not necessarily a good thing. I mean, it's also like a Thierry Henry situation, right? Where he stayed, right. his family went back to to the U.S. as a result of the pandemic, and mm-hmm. he was separated from his family, which is obviously something that I don't think any of us can really speak on, and about how tough that must be. And I think that does matter because, in my opinion, you know, Ali Curtis's tenure here, it's not great, but it's not the worst. Like he mm-hmm. made it to the MLS Cup final in 2019. In 2020, I mean, a lot of this gets overshadowed, but. TFC had the second longest winning streak exactly. in MLS history. And mm-hmm. MLS history. Like mm-hmm. this was this was not they improved from 2019. They improved it going into 2020. Um and a lot of people are like, okay, yeah, but that was all Greg Vanny. Um, okay, so oh. the good stuff gets <laughs> yeah, good stuff that's, gets attributed to yeah. Greg Vanny, but the bad stuff gets attributed it's to Ali Curtis. It's kind Alex. of the game exactly. that, that that's being exactly. played here. But also Greg Vanny he didn't really knock it out of the park this year with the Los Angeles Galaxy. Nope. They missed the playoffs. Yeah. He collapsed in the second half of the season. So yeah. before we start just singing praises about Greg Vanny and, and you know getting down on Ali Curtis, well, there is it, some positive takeaways here in his it's, tenure. And it's just, I think it's he's such a mess. It's such a mess. Vanny gets a free pass because his family were were in Los Angeles and and that's where he wanted to go. But but Ali gets gets you know burned at the stake because he he had the same concerns right like there's just there's this weird collude and this is what i meant when i said off oh, the top I, don't think, that yeah. I miss i miss the transparency because these are very carefully written documents that leave a lot to be desired and then we have to parse out meaning from this like double talk and and talking points and i just don't like it and there's been so many of them now you know, with the Josie and the Alley, and I'm sure with what's to come, and the and and I haven't even read the 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 Javi press conference. So let's they're holding I, they're holding I, on to their narrative so damn tight, and 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 then it leaves us to just like spin these yarns, and it's it's so exhausting. I, like I, I need a little bit more to hang my hat on. 
I don't think that's the same at all, Jeff. I just wanted to say like the because mm. people were certainly not celebrating Greg Vanny leaving more in the, in the same way that like I don't know. It seems like most people are at least content to see Ali Curtis go just just because the difference of context. So I don't think the family sure. thing is plays into this at all in that sense. Uh, but I do think there is some certainly some revisionist history happening where like. You know, during the during the Greg Vanny era, it was like any coach can win with this team that he has, and now and then he leaves, and it's like, oh, he was papering over all these cracks and all this <laughs> terrible team. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's when things go wrong, people just look to places, look for places to point to, and and yeah. you know, I think it's certainly it's pretty clear this year. There's been like a shared responsibility from the players all the way up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good way to kind of sum it all up. Is <laughs> there's there's a lot bigger problems than the general manager of this team right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, um, the can champ game. What was that? Oh my goodness. And one thing we haven't really touched on is, is who's next. Who, who's in line next to become the next general manager of of Toronto FC? And how will we evaluate his tenure? How are we gonna are we gonna go based off results? Are we gonna go based off, you know, the decisions that he he makes? I mean, I think Ali Curtis's tenure was really defined by a couple things and obviously the Chris Armis is the biggest one, but also his designated player signings. Um which, you know, I think the jury is still out on that in my opinion, because he knocked it out of the park with Pozuelo. Mm-hmm. And then Pozuelo wasn't there this season as a result of a variety of factors, some personal, some some injury-based. And then I think the jury is still out on Jefferson Soteldo, in my opinion. I know okay. I know which side Jeff lays on, but um, <laughs> I think it's, it's really where's unfair. My, where's to, my judge's hammer? My judge's <laughs> I think yeah. it's really unfair to kind of judge Jefferson Soteldo based on what was given to him and, and honestly like production wise he had, he had a good season um especially considering everything that was there but jury's still out on a lot of different things with this roster um and I don't think anybody expected this roster to be as bad as it was I think this roster in particular I mean it definitely I definitely did not expect it I don't think anyone really here sitting here expected TFC to finish second last in the Eastern Conference um so goals score hindsight's 2020 right it's it's a results this is Ali Curtis line, but it's a results based business. And mm-hmm. if you're not getting the results, then unfortunately your your tenure is not gonna look good. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see who's it next. Was ro- it was it was a roller coaster. I mean, just 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 knee jerk. Like he came in in the worst possible situation, you know, having to clean up uh uh Bez's sudden exit and the and the loss of of two very, 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 very important parts of, of, of the roster. And then the Pando hit, he, ba- he didn't, he barely had enough time to exhale before, before, you know, the, the, an even more profoundly epochal event uh, interfered, interfered with, with, with his plans for the, for the side. Um, I, you know, I, it, it, it'll be interesting how this all gets contextualized uh, the further away we, we move from it. Absolutely. Because we're still writing the book on Bez. There are, there are, there are people in TFC land that still think that, you know, Bez is responsible for all sorts of things that he wasn't. And then if you go further back to, to Liwiki, there, there are people, there's an overlap with, with who, who did what, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, the, the, the story is still being written. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think uh, we've gone 55 minutes into this show and, we could go on forever about a number of these topics, but let's let's maybe end on a much happier note and, and talk mm. a little bit about the Canadian men's national team because uh-huh. you know we we could have done a whole show on this if Toronto FC hadn't gone crazy and <laughs> uh, you know knocked out 
half the team at this point in terms of the management staff, at least. But I mean, this was uh, Mike, I think you put in the show notes, was this the greatest win in Canadian men's national team history? I think that there's context that still needs to happen on that. If they qualify for a world cup, then probably yes. I think it was the biggest win in Canadian men's national team history. I think you have to wait on that before you can consider it that, but I think, after that win, for me, there's there's no question which direction this is going. This team is incredibly close to getting to Qatar. And all signs point to the fact that, you know, they have all the confidence, all the ability, and, and yeah, just the belief that they're going to get there. And it's not the greatest win. It's easily the most poetic win. Honestly, that that snow jump by Sam Atagubi <laughs> into, into that snowbank is going to be... I'm going to remember that for the rest of my life. It was uh, fantastic. It was, yeah, it was beyond fantastic, man. It was, I can't even sum up how special that was just because it was so Canadian. Yeah. And, you know, the all of Canada's tuning in, a lot of people for the first time. And I bet you, I bet you they'll be turning tuning in for the next games after which, witnessing a spectacle like that. And the whole narrative behind it we were talking about leading up to it about the ice tech uh, and how yep. Canada soccer was using that as to their advantage in the CONCAF when Mexico has, has altitude and, and all of those factors. I mean, it was so Canadian. And it's, I, I, again, I'm at a loss for words because it was just so special. So special. Yeah, it what really it definitely was, was was that moment. Like John Herbin's been talking about for for years about that moment where all of a sudden everyone you know gets on board with this team in the same way that they did during that loss to the United States at the Olympics with the women's team in London 2012. Like I think everyone, the second Sam and Ekubi jumped in that snowbank, like that was that was the turning point for this team forever. That like now you know, this is Canada's team. This is the team everyone's behind. And you know, that, that was the moment that everyone just became super proud of this team. And it's like, wow, yeah. wow, this is this is something special. Yeah, I mean, I, I went down a huge YouTube rabbit hole of, of sort of self-made uh, travel log videos, little vlogs from people that were in attendance. And the, the, the one thing that ran through all of them was most of these people, this was their first can men's national team game that they've ever been able to attend live and they loved every second of it so they're you know at, at the end of the day if if we didn't have to worry about playing surfaces and temperature and all of that stuff i love the idea of the national team going going around and and giving opportunities to everyone in the country to see them live especially Except vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what's vancouver i've never heard of that place before sounds sounds swedish uh uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm all for it. But of course, that's not the case. And there are a lot of other uh, uh, factors to consider when well, deciding where to stage these games. Well, they're going to have the perfect. Well, I mean, there's a couple things playing into that. Obviously, the FIFA visits are a big one that between yeah. Toronto and Edmonton, like those were massive in terms of, um, you know, just just having those venues host the games. The other thing is they're going to have a great opportunity to do that before the 2026 World Cup where, you know, you've. You don't have to qualify. You don't have to exactly. do the qualifiers thing. So you can just spread these games out as much as you want across the country and just have yep. all the venues. But right now, you got to consider travel. You got to consider where is best for these guys to play. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. Yep. And if these guys are comfortable, more comfortable in Toronto than they are in BC, that's that's all that so matters. And it yeah. sounds like there's a bit of conflict between John Herdman and the CSA right now in terms of where they want these games to be played. But you know, you hope Herdman wins out because that's you know that's the 
bottom line. These games are far too important to to use them as a marketing piece. Agreed. Agreed. And that was my concern about about what happened in Edmonton, and I'm glad to have been pleasantly surprised and altogether unilaterally wrong about it. But I do think now that you know you've got to you've got to restate the priorities here because it can't be about a, a, a you know a, a victory tour because we haven't won anything yet. Yeah, yeah. Big six games coming up. Obviously, Canada finishing atop the World Cup qualifying Concacaf group at Happy the New end Year. of 2021. Eight games, more than halfway through this qualifying stage, and they have their their toughest ties arguably out of the way, and that's a way. That's to what Mexico, I'm A way to oh, the I U.S. Um, but coming up, you know, it's, it's not easy, you know, nope. obviously January is a really tough window. You're going away to Honduras, which I know we've, we've, Gavin's been on here talking about how tough of a, a tie that is just based on the environment. Um, and then you have home to, to the U S which I mean, they're, they have something to prove against Canada because Canada's yep. kind of proven that they can be a, a pain in the butt for the U S and Mexico as, as you know, those two sides were expected to run away with this group, but that's been anything but the case, and I think U.S. will definitely be up for that one. So two very important matches coming up in January, and then it kind of gets a, a bit easier for, for the national team, and let's see if they can bring it home, guys, because it's, it's looking pretty good right now. I'm always worried about those 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 Caribbean away matches. Always, course, always, yeah, always. As you always that's where, Yeah, that's where our, our World Cup hopes go to die. Go to die quick. Unceremonial deaths. So I, uh, I'm worried about that. But I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to start until until the new year. I think. Yeah. One more time. Yeah. I know we've we've gone an hour, but I think we do have to fit in just a little bit of Josie Althor talk. Absolutely. Um, We've got a week before to preview the national team in first, and then yeah, we'll get to Josie. Let's Um, do it. The fact that they scored the most goals of any national team this year, obviously, you know, in the we world. know who they've played. We know who they've played, but this was a team who scored one goal in 2012. One mm-hmm. goal. Or no, I don't think it was 2012-2013, the year after. One singular goal, and they scored, what, like 54 this year or something? Like, that's ridiculous. That, that quick turnaround is wild, and we we need to celebrate that about the national Absolutely. team. So sorry to... Sorry to no, there's so that. much to celebrate, man. Like, yeah, we so you could have a whole yeah. episode dedicated just to that men's national team and their historic 2021 campaign. Obviously, yeah. Jonathan David, Kyle Laren. There's so many good stories. Tejan Buchanan, Steven Estacchio. There's oh, so many Johnson. good stories that we could literally dedicate a whole episode to like singular story. Um, and I'm sorry <laughs> that we only have like an hour, an hour and a half, or hour and a bit to, to really talk about that stuff because yeah. it really is um, such a special special time now in Canadian soccer and the, the trajectory of this, this national team, both men's and women's is it's, it's, it's exploding before our very own eyes. And I can't even keep track of how quickly this thing is growing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how quickly, yeah, yeah. how fast it's going. Yeah. All right. Let's finish up with Josie. Then as we've mentioned, two dominoes already falling for Toronto FC with Curtis and Preza. We expect a third one. To fall at some point soon, uh, Fabrizio Romano, uh, well-known European soccer insider, has reported that Josie Altador's contract will be terminated with Toronto FC. We've done maybe six to seven Josie Altador eulogy shows this year already. <laughs> as we, as in different moments of the season, it looked like it would be his final game with Toronto FC, that sort of thing. But yeah, as, as Mike said, there, there's definitely a lot worth mentioning there. So Mike, you seem to have some thoughts on this before we uh, before we head out. I mean, I think we've we've expressed our thoughts on this for the past year, <laughs> Season, yeah. year and a bit, yeah. um, of exactly you know what 
what the conclusion we felt needed to be done here with Josie Altador. Um, I think a lot of us, I mean, we weren't sure if, if TFC would be, or MLSC would be willing to use that buyout on Josie Altador, yeah. but it's, we still seems don't like know. Do we know for sure that they're going to No, 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 no. But yeah. I think, I think worst case scenario, that will, that will be the case. Um, if they, they absolutely have to. And I think that's, that's a good thing. That's an indication from the club, exactly what their ambition is in, in ahead of 2022. Mm-hmm. Listen, as, as John pointed out, Josie Altador, absolute legend. Um, and I don't think we, they can say that enough. You know, he took Toronto FC, embraced Toronto FC, Toronto, the city of Toronto, the country of Canada, really, yep. as his own. This is an American striker who is representing the U.S. men's national team at World Cups at the time. A guy who was playing in, in England. Um, one of the only, you know, U.S. players playing in England that decided to come to Toronto and embrace the city as his own. There's no one, and I tweeted this out, there's no one who ignites a female field crowd like like Josie Altador. And, you know, I, I don't think I read this somewhere, but you know, there there are not a lot of good things like come to a good ending. You know, there's yeah. not a lot of good endings out there in terms of, of sports. And I think that's a sad reality here with Josie yep. Altador is you know, I'm Very happy well it didn't it didn't finish in the moment where he was exiled from the club. I'm happy they found that resolution. Then he had that that major goal when he came back in his first game back, um, and then also you know that that special free kick against Montreal yeah. just rubbing a little bit of salt of the moon on their season. Um, yeah. So I'm happy that he did get a little bit of closure there. I think we all know Josie Altera kind of ran his his course here at Toronto FC. Um, but that being said, I'm excited to see the direction this club goes next. And let me throw this out there. What if we see Josie Altra back in Toronto on a cheap deal next season? We'll see. I don't. I don't. We'll I still don't think it happens. Let's say hypothetically, Seba comes yeah. back. Yeah. Who's to say Josie Altra doesn't want to want to join his his big Italian buddy? I I mean, despite the fact that we don't know if that's necessarily allowed in MLS, we've never quite. Uh, 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 explored whether whether that is even is even possible. You know the language of the of uh, I mean Fabrizio obviously isn't isn't working for the club, but the language again was so was so specific as to a mutual termination, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. You have to wonder if it would if that language would have been used if there was even an outside bluffer's chance for for uh, you know a meeting. Yeah, I don't know if there is, but I'm yeah, just throwing yeah. it out there. If that does the case, I can come back to this and say I was a genius. <laughs> there you go. I mean, listen, listen. That, that that that's a perfect segue. Do you think one? Do you think this is the buyout? And I I'm I'm on the fence about that. Two, he becomes a free agent. Um, do you see him? going to another MLS club uh, because well, we already he know knows. he's going to Montreal based on uh, <laughs> unbelievably done. Photoshop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was fantastic. That, that really was great. Um, because, you know, if you look at, I can't remember what the, what the tweet was or who made it, but you know, his, his, his transfer value is, 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 I mean, absolutely uh, cratered. Uh, and, you know, you could see, an, I mean, I, I would hate, to have to face against, to play against Josie, even as a super sub for another Eastern side. I guess that's what I'm getting. Well, as, as you mentioned there, Jeff, I think answering your first question, if Fabrizio, he's very methodical with his tweets. And he said that Josie Altador will become a free agent. 
the only way that happens is if they I believe there's no way to mutually terminate a contract. I, I could be wrong there. Um, mm-hmm. And the other one is is a buyout. So if I had to guess, I would say it's a it's the one off season buyout. And okay. the second second part of your question is, I feel, still think Josie Altenberg could be a very useful piece in, in Major League Soccer, especially if he embraces that role as sort of that super sub. Yeah. Um. We listen when he came off the bench for TFC, like he was he was great. I think he had his biggest impacts when he did come off the bench for this club. Um, and obviously, like, when he comes off the bench, you see that red number seven or that, that green number 17 go up on the sideline. That, that like, adds a 12th man onto the field because of the, sure. the way that it ignites the crowd. Um, so I still think he has a, a role to play potentially in Major League Soccer. But that being said, that you know, he's talked about going back to what was the Netherlands, right? Yeah. That was what he's always talked about in, in kind of finishing his career there. But we'll see, you know, and it, I still think uh, there's a lot to play out and it's just speculation at this point. Dude, sure on, on the show a couple of weeks ago, Michael, you said uh, the fact that you like, what if Josie Altador goes off the last part of the season and makes it that much harder to, to you know, yep. <laughs> let him go. And he definitely did that. Like he definitely showed that he's still got plenty of ability, both in the game championship, the way he was scoring some of those other goals. So this guy's, Definitely got a couple of years left in him, but it doesn't look like those will be with Toronto FC unless Mike's crazy prediction comes true. But I think yeah, yeah. I think we should wrap it up there. Um, sure, sure. There's, we got there's... next week to talk about Can Champ Final, so I, exactly. I'm not, I'm yeah, not worried yeah, about that. Will that will be yeah. our uh, that'll that will be our preview. Or sorry, show CPL Final. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that'll be our our preview for that. So um, looking forward to certainly getting into a bunch of those, a couple of good games to to get us to that final and. Thanks to JMO for for joining us this week and having a chat. Uh, you could hear his phone going off certainly during that, so he definitely <laughs> uh, he definitely has a lot of things going on right now, and I'm sure you, there'll be plenty of stuff to expect over at TFC Republic, just as there will be over at Waking the Red in the, in the next little bit in terms of uh, breakdowns and and everything in terms of just everything that's surpassed over the the course of this show. Um, yep. yeah, yeah, a bunch of new Raiders there on the scene at Wake in the Red, and they're doing, yeah. they're killing it. They're killing it, guys. So mm-hmm. super proud of the they work sure that are. we've been putting up there on the site. And go ahead, check it out if if you guys have time. Yep, absolutely. So on behalf of Jeffrey P. Nesker, Michael Singh, I'm Mitchell Tierney. Have a great week, everyone.